ओम ज्ञान श्लाक चक्षुर
when we go deeper and deeper and deeper, then we ultimately come to find out what is the cause of all causes. How is that stated in Sanskrit, the cause of all causes? Sarva karana karanam. This is the ultimate subject of philosophy. But Krishna states in Bhagavad Gita that I'm going to present his knowledge with all reasoning as to cause and effect. One level of acceptance is simply blind faith. But this will not satisfy an intelligent person. I can cite from my own life. Of course, I can't claim to be exceptionally intelligent, but one doesn't have to be very intelligent to ask such questions. But I was brought up with the understanding or, or, or with the dogmatic inculcation. I was dogmatically taught that one has to believe in Jesus, otherwise he burns in hell forever. And even more, one because I was from a Catholic background, one has to believe in the Virgin Mary, otherwise one burns in hell forever. So the Protestants, they say, no, we don't believe in the Virgin Mary. The Protestants say, if you burn, if you believe in the Virgin Mary, then you burn in hell forever. So I was in a dilemma. Right? Neither of them gave any reason why. Yep. So I was thinking, what should I do? Toss a coin? And I thought it was very risky. <laughs> if you happen to believe in the wrong thing, you have to burn in hell forever. But then I thought, if God is such a person who burns people in hell forever, then maybe I'd rather go to hell than be with him. <laughs> becoming disgusted with this, uh, my, ca my Catholic upbringing made me a, a premature atheist. But then uh, I considered more that, well, surely there must be God, but just that these people don't understand it. So uh, I think most of us had the experience of when they're first reading through Bob's books, feeling great satisfaction. And here, knowledge of God is given in a, in a manner which satisfies the intellect. Of course, God cannot be understood purely by the intellect. He is avang manasagotara. He is beyond the scope of simple words or of the mind. Uh, but to some extent, he can be understood through the intelligence of a purified person. And here, as in many places in Shastra, the Lord explains his own position uh, in a manner which is to be understood intellectually. In other words, there are certain concepts about the nature of God which are facts which may be understood with the purified mind. Just like we find in Bhagavad Gita Arjuna also as Krishna. So, what are the different facets of the, in the understanding of the science of God? So here Lord Sankarshan is describing uh, what is the nature of the Supreme <coughs> and uh, giving an example of how the living entity who is as if sleeping can awake to spiritual knowledge and understanding. The, uh, this is one of the examples given to uh, explain how the presence of the Supreme Lord can be understood. 
that even when the living being is in deep sleep, still some consciousness is there. And the example is given that when one wakes up from a deep sleep, he says, I slept very soundly. If one has a dreamless sleep, that is considered a very peaceful sleep. So in a dreamless sleep, that means that there's no consciousness, apparently. But there must be some kind of consciousness, otherwise upon waking, one could not say that I slept very soundly. So the, that underlying consciousness, that is uh, the consciousness of the soul, is ever conscious. And he who maintains one's consciousness is known as the super soul or Paramatma. Sarvasya Chakra From me, the Lord, I am in everyone's heart, the Lord says, and from me come knowledge, remembrance, and forgetfulness. In Bhagavad Gita and Thirat Shastra, the Lord explains how he exists imminently within this world. We cannot see God, yet we can see him through the method he explains in Shastra. We can understand that he is present from the descriptions of Shastra, and we can understand this uh, various representations of the Supreme Lord as he describes himself in Shastra. Often Srila Prabhupada used to say that people are asking, show me God. Prabhupada would say, you have to see him as he tells us how to see him. We can see him when we are fully purified, then we can see him. By his mercy, he reveals himself to us. Krishna, his name, form, qualities and pastimes, they are not revealed to the ordinary mundane senses of consciousness. Krishna reveals himself to persons who are eager to serve him. That service beginning with the tongue. But even for one who has not come to the stage of devotional service, one can begin to see Krishna through his representations in the material nature. So Prabhupada would say, you see God as he tells us how to see him. Rasaohamapsukumtenapunti, I am the tasting water. So any taste, Prabhupada explained, that is that taste we can identify. This is Krishna. He gave a suggestion to those who like to drink wine. That even at this stage, which is subhuman, wine drinking, one can begin to see Krishna if one simply thinks that this ta- I like this taste so much, very nice wine. So if we accept that this taste is Krishna, this taste is a representation of the Supreme God, Prabhupada said if one just thinks like that, then eventually that person will become a great devotee. Not recommended if you have already come to the platform of chanting Hare Krishna following four Vedic principles. But the point is that if any Krishna is so kind, he's made knowledge of him available even at this very gross stage of existence. However, when one becomes fully purified, then, as Prabhupada many times said, you can see the Supreme One directly face to face. Just as Chitra Ketu Maharaj in this incident, 
is seeing the Lord face to face. But nevertheless, the Supreme Lord is describing to him the philosophical knowledge by which he may be understood. This is significant. People say, show me God, I want to see God. Actually, they don't want to see God, but they, by saying so, they want to deny his existence. So that even if they were to see him, they would not accept that he is God. Just like when the Supreme Lord comes personally to this world, there are many persons who see him, but do not accept that he is the Supreme Lord. The demons deny, you know, seeing him face to face, deny that he is the Supreme Lord. And they refuse to be convinced, even if they see his, you know, alokic, his uh, extraordinary uh, opulence. The great example is Duryodhana, that Krishna warned him that if you enter this battle, you will be finished. You may think that you have the bigger army and the best fighters, therefore you are sure to win. But I am with the Pandavas, and I am the Supreme Lord. Victory was certain for the Pandavas because the Supreme Lord was on their side. But Duryodhana didn't believe that Krishna is the Supreme Lord. So Krishna showed him the universal form. Naturally convinced him. But Duryodhana said there is some, simply some magic this game. We also see that Council, uh, he was once expressing his how much upset he was about Krishna. That why are people praising him so much and taking him so seriously? Just because he he subdued a little water snake, referring to Kali. Or he lifted a little stone, namely Virigavadham. So the demons, they will always deny Krishna. They cannot, even if they see him, they will not accept that he's the Supreme. So how how then are we to see the Lord? We cannot properly see Him unless we understand Him. Another example, a devotee sees the deity, he accepts this is my Supreme And non-devotee sees the deity and thinks this is a statue. Many years ago I had the experience, and uh, one particular experience at our centre near London called Bhaktivedanta Naya. So that's a very beautifully decorated temple. And of course the most beautiful feature is the deities, Sri Sri Ramana, So one day one, one uh, man came to do some work, some electrical repair work or something like this. So I showed him into the temple room. And he said, oh, it's so beautiful. He said, oh, look at the wall, ceiling, chandelier. He said, oh, you He said, he didn't even notice the deities. Some, even I tried to point out that he was looking at chandelier, someone, someone So to properly see the Lord, first of all, one has to understand Him. This is the basis of entering into, of, of reviving one's relationship with the Lord. Every living being is constitutionally a servant of the Supreme Lord, and in pure existence, one simply serves the Lord. And particularly in Vrindavan, Golok Vrindavan, those who are, the devotees are fully absorbed in service to him, they're so much absorbed in that mood that they don't even know that he is the Supreme Lord. 
However, in the material, we are in this material condition because of not accepting Krishna's supremacy and our subordination to Him. Therefore, we have to understand our subordinate position to be convinced of the necessity to serve Him and to be convinced that it is in our best interest to serve Him. So all these uh, philosophical points are described in Shastra, explaining how constitutionally we are servants. And unless we serve Krishna, we have to serve our senses, and we'll be serving our friends, relatives, country, cat, dog, and so many others. And as a result, we will simply have to suffer the peace of birth and death. Therefore, it is in our best interest simply to serve Krishna, who is a benevolent master, and that is our actual freedom. By nature we are servants, but if we don't serve Krishna, we are bound up in this material world and have to suffer repeated birth and death. So liberation means to be freed from this condition of repeated birth and death, and to be free to serve Krishna. So all these points are presented in detail in Shastra, particularly in the Vedic literature. It gives us the detailed knowledge of the science of God. For which we can become free from this material condition. Of course, understanding of God is not simply an academic uh, endeavor. To understand God anyway is not possible to understand Him fully. But to understand, at least to some extent, that that requires His mercy. Lord Brahma states that no one can understand Krishna by his own endeavors, even in many, many years of trying to do so. But if one gets a little mercy of the Lord, then he can understand. But that mercy of the Lord is showered on the person who seriously, sincerely tries to serve them. But first we should understand our position as servant and try to serve him. And clearly understand that he is the enjoyer and I am the enjoyed. He is the supreme and I am dependent upon him. Without understanding this very clearly, if one simply tries to jump into an intimate loving relationship with the Supreme Lord, we will not be able to enter that position. We may think that all this philosophy is a little boring. And anyway, I understood it. So now let us simply discuss the pastimes of the Lord. Now discussing the pastimes of the Lord is certainly desirable. But at the same time, uh, we require to be very clearly fixed in the consciousness of understanding that He is indeed the Supreme Lord and I am the servant. Because unless we are fixed in that understanding, then our tendency to want to personally enjoy will again surface. So you see that there are many sentimental devotees who like only to discuss the pastimes of the Lord without trying to understand His position as the Supreme Lord. But actually, they're not free from the uh, tendency to enjoy separately from Him. So therefore, even when hearing the pastimes of the Lord, they take it as a matter of their own 
personal enjoyment to hear it. And not being firmly fixed in the understanding of themselves as servants of the Lord, they take themselves to be the enjoyers even of his pastimes. And with this mundane understanding of devotional service, they consider, for instance, uh, someone to be a good singer if their voice is very sweet, which is not necessarily untrue, but the song of a, of a devotee whose voice is not very sweet is far more pleasing to Krishna than one who is a very expert singer but who is not very strong in his actual mood of service. But devotional service cannot be understood simply someone is singing nicely, someone is telling nice stories. But how strong is the spirit of service? What would be pleasing to Krishna? So that spirit of service is established on the firm understanding of myself, the jiva, as the servant of Krishna, the Supreme Lord. Sankara, the Supreme Lord, is explaining to Chitraketi the philosophical knowledge of which, by which he, the Supreme Lord, will be understood. Because even though Chitraketi was seeing the Supreme Lord face to face, uh, the Supreme Lord wanted him to be clear in his understanding and wanted Chitraketa to, to be clear in his understanding of who he, Sankarshan, is. One has to see through the eyes of Shastra. And seeing is not simply a formation of, a, of an image on the retina and the processing within the brain. But seeing is according to one's understanding. Again, to that example of when Napoleon was invading Russia, the French were thinking, this is very nice, and the Russians were thinking, this is not very nice. The same activity was seen in a different light by different persons according to their angles of vision. So the devotee, when he sees the deity, he sees, this is Krishna, the Supreme Lord. The non-devotee, he says, this is a statue, idol. Why are these foolish people worshipping this idol? They both see, but they see differently according to their angle of vision, according to their consciousness. So Krishna consciousness is that consciousness by which we can see the Supreme Lord as He is. I can be seen through devotion. Otherwise, one cannot actually see the Supreme Lord. So that uh, devotion has to be based on proper philosophical understanding of who the Supreme Lord is. Therefore, the Supreme Lord himself takes so much trouble to, not actually trouble for him, but he, he gives us so much philosophical understanding in Shastras on the basis of which bhakti, loving service to the Supreme Lord, may develop. Hare Krishna. Is there any question about this? Actually, there's one question which I was going to come out to in the first, but I didn't. There was a question. I was asked, how are you? So I'll answer this question. <laughs> it is a general question. It is often asked. In Russia, they, they, they ask, how are you? Is it? I think in most cultures it's there. 
But I'm often wondering, how should I answer this? I think this is, this is usually... It's maybe asked in relationship to the body. How is your body? So in that case, I have to answer, I'm dying. <laughs> I asked this question to God brother the other day. And I said, how are you? He said, I'm dying. <laughs> and he said, well, so am I. <laughs> he said, well, actually, I've got cancer. Yes. He said, actually, I've got cancer. Ah. Yeah. Ah. So another meaning of how are you may be, how are you in general? How, how is life going on? So then I have to answer, well, I'm just a rascal. That's it. <laughs> So, my body is dying and I'm such a rascal, I'm still attached to it. I'm still very hopeful that by the mercy of Guru and Vaishnavas, that even by a show of devotional service, they may somehow be merciful upon us. So, any other questions? You don't know Russian? You don't know Russian? I do. I'm really in English. I'm trying to learn English. There was some question? Are you saying that you cannot be saying because you are now educated in the spiritual science, you have seen me face to face, therefore you are now completely perfect. Mm -hmm. And then he starts explaining. Then he starts explaining, huh? So, clearly. Mm -hmm. You want to say that? Mm -hmm. Because you are now educated in the spiritual sense, you are seeing face to face, therefore you are now completely perfect. So the, question, yeah. so the question may be that why you didn't say, well, come on, let's go and do a rasa dance. Oh. Why did he uh, further explain this? Well, there may be various reasons for this. I mean, This may be called, uh, we don't want to do a psychoanalysis of the Supreme Law. But one reason may be that uh, even if one has this knowledge, that it may be elaborated upon even more, one can go deeper into this knowledge. Another may be for the benefit of others. Another reason may be that uh, it's enjoyable. It is a matter of spiritual enjoyment for the Supreme Lord to speak this philosophy and for his devotees to hear it. Krishna speaks Bhagavad Gita. He likes to do that. He likes to present knowledge of himself. So it is one of the matters of pleasure for the Supreme Lord to speak about himself in various ways, including uh, philosophical understanding of himself. So another question? In order to see Krishna everywhere and to always choose his company and not the company of Maya, uh, one has to possess determination. How to develop this great determination? Yeah. Do you want to say it again? Mm -hmm. 
one Srila Prabhupada has asked this question, how can one get determination in devotional service? Prabhupada said, by following the regulated principle. Then the question came, well, what if one doesn't have the determination to follow the regulated principle? And Prabhupada replied, then he is simply an animal. Because he promised at the time of initiation to follow. And then if you don't follow, then you are simply an animal. Because an animal, a human being can make a promise and an animal cannot. So by this I understand that Prabhupada was indicating that having come to Krishna consciousness, we should take it very seriously and there is no reason not to be taking it seriously. Taking it seriously means being determined. Hmm? Taking it seriously means hmm. determination is part of seriousness. Hare Krishna. Shri Mahavaratam Kim Jai. Shri Prabhupada.